The Ebony's and the Ivory podcast is a bi-weekly dialogue with Dr. Dejalon Jackson-Bell and Dr. Lakeitha Poole. Through the EITI podcast, we plan to promote our mission of dispelling myths, rewriting narratives, and championing women of color in higher education. All views expressed through this podcast are our own, do not represent any entity with which we are affiliated, and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information or to set up a consultation, visit our website at www.ebonysintheivory.com. You are now tuned in to Ebony's in the Ivory. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Ebony's in the Ivory podcast. This is one of your hosts, Dr. Lakeitha Poole, and I am here with my wonderful co-host, Dr. Bell. How you doing today? I'm good. Hi, everybody. Episode 32. Yay, 32. So we're so excited that you're back tuned in. Um, if you're listening right now, you probably already have, but in case you haven't, make sure that you hit the subscribe button that's either on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Um, keep up with us through all of our social media platforms on Instagram and Facebook. That's at Ebony's in the Ivory. Um, and make sure you follow us on Twitter at Ebbs in the Ivory. And if you're looking for just a one-stop shop place to get all of this information, the podcast, the blog, and other things that we have on there, make sure you check out our website at www.ebonysintheivory.com, which is accessible on your phone so you can access us on the go and we are louisiana girls so we spell go g-e-a-u-x don't oh, yeah. you forget it so <laughs> we're at episode 32 dr bell i'm so excited 32. about this topic it's our magic episode 32 32 um so this episode um is based off the off the blog and it is entitled maximizing q4 strategies to finish strong so <laughs> I feel like we talk about this every time we get on the podcast since March, <laughs> but 2020 has been, it's been something, you know, yeah. so like it's just progressively been, you know, I know we're tired of the word, but progressively been unprecedented. <laughs> um, and we still have a little bit more to go, but it's the fourth quarter. Yeah. And I know you and I both have a, an appreciation for um, Q4 and just the uh, fresh take and fresh perspective that um, Q4 hopefully will provide for us mm-hmm. as we transition um, into 2021. Crazy. That's crazy. We're in Q4. But yeah. it's exciting. Yeah. So um, what I wanted to do was to provide some strategies on how to maximize the rest of this crazy, crazy year and to ensure that we're able to finish strong Mm -hmm. um so i actually gleaned this information from um the world of business and marketing um and i wanted to kind of look at um 
you know, how they approach Q4. Um, so, um, we, on the blog, we, we gave five different, um, tips, um, to be able to make this end of the year, uh, what it needs to be for us, whether that's, you know, academically, um, career focused, mm-hmm. our personal, um, plan for our lives or, um, whether that's, um, I say career, academic, and personal. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, first off, let's talk about achieving a end of the year mindset. So, resetting our end of the year mindset. So, the article encourages us to be both proactive and productive with our schedule. So, it talks about the importance of making sure that we're able to schedule self-care and able to uh, schedule holidays Mm -hmm. so that we can enjoy our holidays on the front end. Uh, But it's also important, the article said, to be able to map out the days that we have outside of those holidays. And it gives you kind of a perspective on, okay, how many days do I really have left in this year? Mm -hmm. Um, Which then affords you the opportunity to kind of ramp up productivity and to see um, you know, just strategically, uh, what time we have left, how we're going to utilize that time. Um, so it helps us to reset our approach to the end of the year and also to mentally adapt, um, to the days that we have left. Um, the second tip was to set specific goals for Q4. Um, so in the blog, I talked about how I always felt like October, um, was kind of the start of my own personal new year. I love the month of October. I chose to get married in October for this very reason. I always feel my lightest and most focused in, in October and in Q4. Um, so I personally usually take, um, the time in October to revisit the intentions that I set for the new year to see how I progress and what I need to do to make sure that I accomplish what I set out to accomplish for the year. Um, so the article talks about setting smart goals and we all know that smart goals are smart, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time bound goals, which really help us to map out, um, what we want to achieve, um, and help to format and create some of those action steps. Um, and if you've never, you know, created smart goals before, I think that, um, they are, um, Excellent to use for Q4, um, since we're already time bound. We already, you know, have, um, those months left in the year. So, mm-hmm. um, it helps us to narrow down and focus on what is re- realistic and what we can achieve realistically and what is attainable during the time that we have left. Um, next is mapping out daily requirements, um, to reach Q4 goals. So, um, I talked about in the blog how, um, I kind of did this unknowingly, um, along the dissertation journey, um, especially as it relates to navigating, you know, proposal defense and data collection and, um, you know, our, our dis- dissertation defenses. Um, I know that when I defended my journal exams, I knew I had a set amount of time to, um, collect whatever I needed to collect to go into the proposal defense stage. So, um, I remember mapping out, like writing a schedule for every single day. I accounted for every day up until my proposal defense, um, which was in early November of 
2015. Um, and then you and I implemented a writing schedule because, mm-hmm. of course, our timelines were almost identical. So mm-hmm. we were able to say, here, we're going to write on this day at this time. This is where we're going to go. Like, it's very consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were able to account for every single day. Um, Dr. Shonda Mitchell Allen, and we've said this before, gave us some great advice write every day mm-hmm. even if it's just a sentence even if you know you might write a page you might write a sentence you might write 10 pages mm-hmm. well, i don't think we ever did that no but, <laughs> <laughs> not not in our writing time in our writing yeah not in our writing time but um that was great advice so we made sure hey we know every day you know we're writing we're able to account for every day um so we carved out that time and uh, those spaces in which we wrote ahead of time um and then we carved out our own time in which we individually um were you know were writing and researching so um i think we carried that out all the way through um you know data collection um you know applying to the irb and um and then writing chapter four and chapter five. So I, I think that because we had those specific goals um, and we knew that we wanted to finish at that certain time, um, we were able to take advantage of the full time we had in Q4 during that time in mm-hmm. 2015 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, fourth strategy um, includes creating a business plan um, for the year. So, um Q4, like I said, always puts me in a productive headspace. So um, using the momentum, just the general momentum um, gained in the, in the quarter could um, be used to leverage whatever quote-unquote business plan you have. Um, and business, again, could be synonymous with academic career or personal wellness plan. Um and I think that when we do this, we provide ourselves a head start into the year and we gain that momentum. And we could even avoid um, the slump that comes with, you know, when the new year starts and everybody said their resolutions, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. But we all know that um, between, between mid-January and early February, 80% of New Year's resolutions have failed. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we gain that momentum on the front end and we kind of continue um, and use that um, throughout the year and kind of um, ride that into the new year, um, it will possibly um, and probably um, create a more successful space for us in the new year. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, um, create a hold it, hold me to it strategy. Um, so I, I said this in the blog as well, that this is difficult for me because I don't really like to talk about things until they're done. Um, and that's just, I don't know, that's kind of my own personal philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, you're taught, hey, like real G's, move in silence like lasagna, like my <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but it's true, it's true, it's true, it's, it's true, true. It's true, it's true. So um, I kind of try to, you know, maintain that philosophy. Um, just because everybody don't need to know what you're doing. And I, I feel like you got to do the work before you start talking most of the time. So, um, I do understand the value of having, you know, accountability partners, um, that you trust not to be telling your business, mm-hmm. um, but also to motivate you and to believe in what you believe in. Um, and I, I mentioned, you know, in, in my role as a school counselor, I have what we call goal setting conferences for my students to make sure that they're on track, 
Um, and we kind of write down the goals that we're going to pursue um, for, you know, whatever time period. And I hold them accountable in that space. So it's definitely beneficial to have a hold me to it strategy um, in which we have our um, friends and families and colleagues um, to assist us um, in that vein. So doing that for Q4 is um, definitely something that could be worthwhile and beneficial um, for us. So my question for you, Dr. Poole, is how have you personally approached Q4? So I'm kind of like you. I get to like October and that's, I get really excited because for whatever reason, even though there's three months left in the, in the year, I don't know. It just, it does feel like the time, the best time to start thinking about what's ahead. And I think probably because of how crazy 2020 has been, I think I was even more ready, like to be like, all right, can we get to 2021? Like, come on, let's go. Um, so in September, I usually, and I know you don't like planners. I know you don't use them. You like them. You don't use them. Um, but I I can't, y'all. I'm going to do better. She just can't. I know. We talked, we told y'all about that on the last episode. I try so hard. Yeah. She be trying. It just don't work. But, um, I get to September, usually in September, early October. That's when I order my like planner. I go spend like some time in Barnes and Noble and I like literally gather up all the planners and then go sit in the kids section and like, and like lay them out on the floor. Well, that's where you can sit on the floor. Nobody looks at you strange. So, um, so, so you, you know, that's like my time to start thinking. Um, I don't know, for whatever reason, it always just feels really inspiring to get to that point in the year. And again, like a, a year like this, I think we're all just so mentally emotionally and physically exhausted that you need something to almost feel like okay how do I look ahead and that's not to overlook these last three months but to to then think about yeah how can I maximize them so that my new year starts off really really strong and I don't feel like I'm like dragging into it or wait until January to then start mapping out the year which I don't think that's effective either so um so I do I do do that as well um, I do try to start to take a little bit of an assessment or evaluation, I guess, of like how I've done, you know, with keeping up with goals. And most of the time I have not like done half of the stuff that I wanted to do. Um, I think we've talked about that on here too, but it like, yes. but it happens. And so, you know, it's my way of just checking in with myself and, and it allows me to be reflective and be like, well, what was going on in your life or in, right. in the world that this didn't happen and you had it, you had it planned to do so. And, and so it offers, it gives me the chance to offer myself a little bit of grace and be like, That's you know, good. um, yeah, this was your plan. It didn't go as planned, but the world didn't fall apart. Like everything, you're still here. You still, you know, everything's okay. And so I think, just being able to give myself this time always just feels really refreshing. Cause I do think, and I know you mentioned this, like we get to that point where we have this string of like holidays and all these celebrations and we almost like get distracted and don't think about sort of that, that moment to at least just exhale for a second of everything you've experienced all year. And, and we kind of go into, you know, catering mode of getting ready for family and all that stuff and i don't know what that's gonna look like this year but whatever um because i guess we all have to wear masks as we cut the turkey i don't know so whatever but i I think just being able to really be reflective um start planning and then just kind of yeah reassess like what's what's the goal that that were met and give myself you know the pat on the backs i need for that but then also say okay 
Here's what wasn't met. Here's why. And is it a goal? Is it there? Is there a reason? So is this a goal that even needs to be on your radar right now? Maybe it's, maybe it's the wrong timing. And so I think just being able to like give myself that last quarter to uh, be reflective. That's usually how I like to approach, approach it. About giving yourself grace and um, not necessarily using it a time to be critical of yourself, but to look in and be um, objective and say, you know, okay, I was able to achieve this and I wasn't able to achieve this. So let's take a delve into or let's do some introspection into why I wasn't and to address some of those issues mm-hmm. um, and to take a, a, a holistic, maybe a cross cut look into um, why, you know, those things occurred or didn't occur in the way that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that because it's not about, hey, let's just rush and try to do everything in Q4. Right. Like, we're not telling you to do that. That's horrible self-care. I would never tell any, hey, you got three months, let's hurry up and do <laughs> Figure it. Figure like, this out. No. Right. <laughs> no. Like, no. Um, and and it's, it's human nature for us to have some things that we may necessarily not have gotten to. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we say, okay, so let's create those smart goals. Let's create those action steps so that we can maybe even start on it and then continue chugging along into the new year. So yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Um, for me personally, I've just kind of been, um, you know, setting my intentions, revisiting the intentions that I set at the end of the year. Um, and taking care of myself too, mm-hmm. like in the midst of it, because like we said, this has been an exhausting year. So I have to make sure that I balance, you know, the things that I want to continue to do. And I've, you know, actually been able to, um, to achieve a few things in the month of October, um, that, you know, I had kind of been looking forward to, uh, but August and September were crazy for me, super crazy for me. So it kind of, kind of took me off the radar for those two months. Mm-hmm. So I was able to play catch up a bit um, as things slowed down just a bit and able to achieve some of the things that I had on my list mm-hmm. uh, for the year, the intentions that I set for the year. Um, so um, just like you said, being gracious and um, doing what I can when I can. And um, if I can't figure out how to, um, how to create a plan and set goals to be able to do it. Love it. Um, have you um, personally or currently um, created a hold me to it strategy? Um, I really liked this phrase because I don't know if I had ever thought of it like that um, when you brought this up in the blog and today too, but um, I guess in some ways I have one in the sense of, you know, I do like accountability partners. Like, you know, you're one of my accountability partners when I'm working on mm-hmm. something, whether it's like mm-hmm. academic or work, but also even yeah. in personal life, like before we hit record today, we mm-hmm. was talking about some stuff and I'm just like, mm-hmm. you know, and so, and I, I know, like you said, I am, I am somebody who like you, I do like to move in silence a lot um, about goals and things like that. But if I do choose to share with somebody, I'm usually, I usually am sharing it so that they can come back to me later and be like, you know, what's up with that? And, um, and I think like you pointed out, it's just important to know who those people are. Um, so that's probably more of my strategy is just knowing 
who and when to lean in to like my village of people um that helps because I usually like having goals and I usually am pretty good about, you know, trying to map them out, but it's nice to have um people, trusted people that you can just like let know what you have going on um because you know they're invested in you, whether it's professionally, personally, or both. Yeah. Um so I feel like that's my typical strategy, I guess more external, internally. Um I just try to I try to like develop, you know, good habits and consistency and um I talked to my therapist about that today, like just being very mm-hmm. consistent and and recognizing though that when you have that one day where you're off your consistent path, it's okay. Like it doesn't destroy the yeah. whole plan. You know, we went through that a lot with writing where you know, we might have had a day where only a sentence got written and that didn't mean that I, you know, wasn't going to achieve the goal. We clearly were still sitting here being called doctor by lots of people these days. So it's like mm-hmm. we the goal still happened in the end. Um, and, and the plan that I had to get there was like, OK, I'm going to write all this every day and do this and that. And some days you just don't have it in you or, or life life comes at you. Different things happen and um, you shift and move with that. So I also think holding you to it or holding me to it is kind of like being OK. And I know we, we mentioned the word grace a lot today, but like it's that sort of thing too. Mm-hmm. holding yourself to it is also being able to be like remembering like your humanity in the middle of all of that too. And so, um, and so I think that's also why it's beneficial to have other people a part of your process where they fit in. Cause that helps to remember that humanity piece sometimes because they're the ones that'll be like, I know you don't forgot. You told me this was a goal. So I'm reminding you or, um, or on the days where you're discouraged, they're the ones that's like, you know, it's cool. Take a break and, and makes you actually do that. So yeah. Um, so I feel like that's my like strategy. I had never thought of it like that. I hadn't really thought of that phrase in that way until I read the blog and, um, we talked about it today. So that's kind of my strategy. Yeah. I think for me, um, just like you said, making sure you have community, um, and you have a village and, um, you have people that are trusted that you can kind of share those things with. Like, like we said, you know, I know you're one of those people. You didn't even say like our moms are those people. Oh my gosh. I know your mom is there too, for sure. <laughs> yes. Um, I know mine is. They're I mean, te- it's because they're teachers. They know. Yeah, That's just how they definitely. are. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'll call my, my sister, call me and be like, Hey, I thought you was doing this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. get off my back. You're right. <laughs> 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 no, you're right. Right. <laughs> um, so, um, just like, you know, trusted people, my husband. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that it's important, like you said, is to set, to have those, um, built in, um, benchmarks, like consistency and things like that, that building checkpoints out, I, I want to say, um, that hold you, you're holding your own self to it as well. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, on that spectrum is, you know, making sure that you're consistent, make sure, making sure you're achieving your goals. Um, but then also making sure that you're allowing yourself time to rest and allowing yourself time to be realistic. Mm-hmm. And like you said, humane to yourself and being gracious to yourself. So, um, you know, I, that, that also made me think that strategy, um, made me kind of thinking, you know, in the article, it kind of spoke about, you know, business partners or, um, 
a board of directors or something that you have in on we talked about you know are your personal board of directors mm-hmm. um, and how you can elicit um, those people to or employ those people um, to help you you know keep it in check and be accountable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and my last question is what additional advice do you have for our ebony's that are seeking to maximize the remainder of 2020 um i think just that it's never too late so it is october by the time y'all hear this it'll be late october technically because it'll be like the 20th or something believe it or not um And I just think people get to certain points, whether it's in the year or even if you're like a monthly planner type of person, you get to a certain point and you're like, well, it's too late now. Like the month's almost over. It's too late now. The year's almost over. And I just, I don't ever think that that's the case. Um, And especially when you have a year like we've had with 2020, I just feel like you, if you're going to really maximize it and make the best of it, then you have to be able to know that there's, there's still time, even if you're spending the month of December making plans for the future. That's okay. Yeah. I think it's just being able to, to not quit and knowing that, you know, there's always time. Um, that's kind of all we have. It's like the most yeah. expensive thing we have. So I think just being able to really, um, know that it's not too late. It's never too late to start planning. So if you're hearing this right now and you haven't done a single thing to plan for whether that's the rest of this year or start thinking about next year, it's okay. You can start today. And and that's, you know, that's fine. So I just think just knowing it's never too late and being focused on, you know, goals that are significant and that matter to you will make you more excited about getting them done or figuring out a plan to get them done. So, you know, really yeah. just be intentional about, what it is that you want to maybe spend these last few months um, doing. Cause I think you'll maximize it if it's important to you. I don't think I could have said that better myself. I think <laughs> you're spot on with that. Um, so what we're going to do is um, take a break, but be ready to come back because we're going into our signature segments, including culture corner, culture which corner. I said correctly. Yay. Because I'm <laughs> on my stuff. We'll <laughs> <laughs> be right back after this short break. So we are back with Culture Corner um, and this, <laughs> this one's a doozy, y'all. <laughs> so I know that y'all heard, or maybe you have not, about um, scholar Dr. Jessica Krug, who is a U.S. professor who gained notoriety and international attention after she published a blog um in which she admitted to lying for years about being a black woman. Um, she has now resigned from George Washington University. They said she resigned effectively, effective immediately and her um, students will receive additional information, um, you know, in, in the upcoming weeks. So she has lived most of her adult life under various identities 
um, including Afro-Latina, including a New Yorker, um, including a black woman. Um, she said various assumed identities within a blackness that I had no right to claim. First, North uh, African blackness, then U.S. rooted blackness, then Caribbean rooted Bronx blackness. Um, so the blog post that kind of exposed this attributed crude, um, attributed to Krug expressed deep remorse, um, calling the deception the very epitome of violence, of thievery and appropriation. Um, so they um, said that Dr. Krug um, has unaddressed mental health demons dating back to childhood, um, and she frequently wanted to confess, but um, she said her cowardice was more powerful than her ethics um so they took down her bio um but it was um it included um research on imperialism <laughs> this is so hypocritical <laughs> it, it it talks about imperialism colonialism and african-american history among her areas of expertise expertise like how how crazy is that Mm -hmm. um, how contradictory is that? Um, and um, so it caused like just chaos on social media, on Twitter and black academics, writers and activists, some of which she worked with, started recalling their interactions with her. She referred to herself as just La Bombalera. What is that? Um, and she referred to her. I don't even know what that is. Like, is that like a like is that an actual like phrase or did she make that up? I know what you're saying. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Just La Bombarera. Like, like Sasha Fierce. Like, uh, maybe. I don't know. When you make up identities, I mean, all kinds of things could happen. So. That's a gift. Bombarera. I don't know. Sure. Um, she refers to her black and brown siblings in the anti-gentrification movement and criticizes all white New Yorkers who did not yield their time to black and brown indigenous New Yorkers. Um, so, it, of course, brought to mind um, the case of Rachel um, Dolezal. Uh, am I saying that right? Is That's that how I said it. Yeah, okay. Rachel Dolezal. Um, who, of course, made headlines when she admitted to being white after previously identifying as black. Um, she was the president of the NAACP in Spokane, Washington. <laughs> And she said, I'm more, you know, Rachel Dolezal said, I'm more black than I am white. That's how, how she identifies. How, how, how. How. So, Dr. Krug is the next up in the thievery. <laughs> um, as the article says, the uh, colonizer. So, Dr. Krug, what do you think about this? This, this is very interesting. In, in the world of higher ed and how that looks in terms of um, gaining um, full tenure. She was fully tenured. Mm -hmm. um, and her body of work, um, you know, was centered around her quote-unquote experiences as an Afro-Latina and a North African and a part of the um, diaspora and all of that. Um, so, essentially on a, a bed of lies. Right. Uh, so, what do you think about that in, in, in terms of 
higher ed and academic spaces? I think it's a hot mess. That's why I kept started saying mess in the middle of your, your talk because I'm just, I just, I'm just really, um, disturbed by like the extent that people will go to, to, um, I guess visually, um, appear to be black or a person of color and then you know, the issues that come up for those specific people, for people of color, black people, um, you cannot help us in this battle by being like that, by lying. Um, right. you know, you're actually making, you're taking attention really from the things that need to be focused on when stuff like this comes out, people get distracted easily and like, you know, stop thinking about the causes at hand. Um, but it's also, it is frustrating, like from an academic perspective, like imagine, like you said, her body of work and the courses she's taught, the minds she has shaped, um, yes. all under sort of a false identity. And, you know, as a, I know I'm a clinician, but I'm an academic too, as a, as a professor and, and recon- recognizing that, like, we put a lot of time into thinking about what does it mean to stand up in front of a, group of minds and, right. you know, put truth out there and challenge them and, and help shape their philosophies on life. And like you, right. by doing this, you stole that opportunity from them as students. Yeah. And then from another person, someone who in particular probably actually identifies and was born as a person of color, a woman of color. Um, you may have taken even a job opportunity from somebody um, oh, she definitely took uh, funding. She funding, got, well, tenure. Know, I mean, like all kinds tenure. of things because there are policies in place, which, you know, people can argue about whether or not they think those are good. But there are a certain number, some schools have, you know, a certain number of people of color that need to go up for tenure in a year and stuff like that. And just you're playing around yeah. with a bigger system than you think. And that is inappropriate and it's disgusting. Yeah. And so, you know, I just... I think it bothers me more of like the people, the students she stood in front of identifying with. And I mean, I can, I think of like our experiences as, as grad students and, and undergrad too, but as grad students in particular, we've had, and we've shouted out a lot of those women in our lives who have been women of color and even um, non-women of color who've been in our lives, who have helped to shape who we are and their identity has been a part of that too. Not just the knowledge that they've given us, but us seeing another woman of color standing in front of my classroom or who I could call on to talk about an experience on my job or whatever. That's an intimate experience. And so when you, when you misappropriate or whatever, that sort of identity or that experience, like you're just like, you're a lunatic kind of <laughs> like you just are really yeah. something's not right. And I mean, and then the excuse of just being like, yeah, I'm a coward. And it's like, well, we know that. Tell me something else. So, yeah. um, it just is, it's disgusting. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I think about like my own students and how much I work to build rapport with them and mm-hmm. build a level of trust with them. And, um, I have great relationships, you know, with my grad students that I've taught even to this day. So, um, to think that, you know, they would be betrayed in that way if, if, if they had a professor like that who, you know, they're fundam- fundamentally believing, you know, what you're saying and identifying uh, with you and building rapport with you based on how you're presenting 
you know, um, as you stand before them. So um, that's definitely, you know, an abuse of power. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that's something we talk a lot about in in the field of counseling and how not to misappropriate the power that you may have over um, those that you um, work with your clients or um, even, you know, your students. That's really important to do no harm Mm -hmm. and to do good. And that is doing harm in my opinion. Um, so it's very unfortunate and it's just, it's just crazy. Like we, we, like you said, we would benefit from you being an ally. Yeah. And having all that knowledge and all that research right. and saying, Hey, I understand this plight and I'm willing to stand beside them and use the privilege and the power that I have as a white, blonde haired Jewish woman mm-hmm. um, to stand beside them because that's what she was um, mm-hmm. to stand beside them. Um, and say, you know, let's fight for justice. But, yeah, use your privilege yeah. to give me access, not, right. not, you know, take it away fool from me. me and take it away from me. And, and that's the problem with even, like I said, the apology and say, admitting to being a coward. Like, I don't want to hear that. It so, was foolish. So, was you know, miss, miss yeah. me with that. Like my yeah. students would say, miss yeah. me with that. Mm-hmm. So definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Bye girl. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, dang. I mean, how are you Dr. Crook? Yeah. Crook, whatever. Whatever. Um, so, um, (laughs) next up is our favorite segment, but unfortunately, we didn't have any submissions this month, Dr. Cool. So we are able to highlight, um, you know, and do what we love to do most. So, um, I hate that, you know, I know that there are a lot of great women doing some great things. Um, so we'd love to hear from you all. Um, we have one episode left in 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, so we would love to kind of end off, um, or complete this, this year or season, um, off with a bang and to, be able to highlight all of the wonderful um, things that you all are doing um, in those educational spaces and career spaces and personal spaces. So um, please get your submissions in. You can email us. You can find our email on our website. You can DM us on Instagram, on Twitter, on mm-hmm. Facebook. You can go on our website and we, ha- we make it very easy to um, submit any of your accomplishments or friends that you know um, because we take pure delight in being able to do that yes so we can't wait to hear more hope close us out strong for the year um if not then we'll just tell you about all of the wonderful things that we do but i feel like you guys know that because y'all listen to this (laughs) show every month but we don't have a problem tooting our own horn so So, yes, please, please turn in your submissions. Yes. Um, we would absolutely love to hear from all. So um, we want to thank you all for um, tuning in and being so dedicated to our tribe. This is our third season. Yeah. I cannot, like, I cannot believe it. Um, and next episode is episode 33. Like, how, how have we done that? Like, it's just, it's amazing to me. Um, so... Um, of course, be on the lookout for EITI Tuesdays. Please like, follow, and subscribe. Um, again, submit 
yours or your fellow EITI uh, accomplishments for the spotlight and make sure that you vote. Yes. I know that you all are going to vote. Oh, Lord, if you can, please. Vote early. Please, I please. Went <laughs> <laughs> I went early today and I was so happy. Ours opens on Friday. Life. I'm going, I'm going to try to go on Friday. Ours open on Friday, so I can't wait. Went right on my lunch break. It was right next to my school. So I was really excited to get that done. Everybody, please vote early. And if you can't vote early, please vote for election on election day. Mm-hmm. Um, please, if you have to stand in line, uh, just be prepared. Bring some snacks, bring some waters, um, bring a portable charger, whatever you need to do. Don't let them make you get out of line. It is your constitutional right. Yes. It is your civil, civic duty and your civic right to be able to vote our ancestors fought so hard. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know I am. Right. But um, make sure that your loved ones um, are voting. Everybody just show up to the polls and show out. Show uh, up and show out. So we can make sure that our fellow woman of color, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, is the the VP. Um, And... um, is is you know it'll be it'll be groundbreaking um for for us as women for us as uh, women of color and for black women so mm-hmm. um, help her make history um if you can if you vote for whoever else i mean that's <laughs> I love how your energy went like, mm, and if you have, you know, I mean, that's it's your, you have your right to, you, have your right. you know, walk in whichever way the light guides you, but stay in the light. That's all I'm going to say. Stay in the light. Walk in the light, beautiful light. But, you know. Amen. Amen. Okay. <laughs> all right, y'all. We well. <laughs> Thank you all seriously for tuning in. Um, and we hope that you have a blessed week. Um, we hope that you have a blessed and not stressed Q4. Amen. Um, and until we meet again. Yay. See you all. See you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye.